the Read to Lead podcast, episode 29. Hi, everyone. This is Daniel Pink, author of To Sell as Human, and you're about to enjoy another fascinating episode of the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. Everybody needs to have a secondary source of income on top of their full-time jobs. It's really the only way to live today to have any semblance of financial security. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Thanks for stopping by the Read to Lead podcast. I am indeed Jeff and I want to start off by saying happy birthday to dad who turns 77 on the day this episode's being published, January 14th. I would be remiss if I didn't also wish my mother a happy birthday, which I missed last December 15th, a month ago. Uh, my wife a week ago, Friday, uh, and I turned another year older actually uh, last Saturday. So happy birthdays all around. If your birthday is today or you recently had one or you have one coming up, happy birthday to you, too. Our guest today is author Kimberly Palmer. She's written a book called The Economy of You, Discover Your Inner Entrepreneur and Recession-Proof Your Life. She'll share why she believes that all of us need more than one income, also why it's more than about just the money, but how happiness and satisfaction can be a major part of having a side gig. And she'll answer some of the big picture questions you need to ask yourself if you're somebody who's struggling with figuring out what your own side gig ought to be. Before we jump in, I want to remind you that if you're listening to this before the afternoon of January 15th, 2014, there is still time to sign up for the free webinar that I'm doing with John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. He will share about how to create, grow, and monetize your own podcast and how you can become a member of Podcasters Paradise for 40% off the normal rate. So if you or someone you know has recently launched or is about to launch a podcast, this is definitely for you. Plus, when you sign up for Podcasters Paradise during the webinar, you'll get my course, Podcaster Academy, taught online in February, absolutely free. To sign up for the webinar right now, in time for January 15th, it's 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash webinar. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash webinar. Kimberly Palmer is a senior money editor and alpha consumer blogger at U.S. News and World Report and author of Generation Earn, The Young Professional's Guide to Spending, Investing, and Giving Back. That's her first book. Uh, she has appeared on NBC's Today Show, CNN, and local television and radio shows across the country to talk about making smart money decisions. She also writes for the Washington Post and Wall Street Journal occasionally, among other newspapers. And she is the author of the new book, the one we're going to talk about today, called The Economy of You, Discover Your Inner Entrepreneur and Recession-Proof Your Life. Kimberly, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. A little programming side note here. Uh, I know you referenced Dan Pink a couple of times in your book, and uh, I know you enjoy his work a great deal. He was our guest last week on the show, so it's kind of like he's opening up for you. I love Dan <laughs> Pink's work. I mean, he I, I've inter- had the pleasure of interviewing him before, too. And yes, as you noted, I do quote him um, quite a bit in the book because his book, Free Agent Nation, I mean, it really, I would say when I first read that, I mean, that came out, I think, a decade ago now, but it really got me thinking about all these issues. And yes, I I love his work. I've read uh, three of his five books, but I've not gotten to that one yet. So I'm looking forward to it. Very, very glad you're here. Now, Kimberly has compiled 
a hundred examples of what she calls side giggers, those who are leveraging uh, the margins of life to do things they really love, to make some extra cash. And I'm curious to know, Kimberly, what what are some of your favorite examples of these side gig success stories as you began researching them for your book? Well, one of my absolute favorites is a man called Chris Buren, and he actually used to work at a deli right down the street from my office. And I I met him just because I went in there for lunch all the time. And then when that deli was closing at the height of the recession, he knew he had to do something to save himself financially. And so he turned to his side business, which he had been slowly building up. It's a custom cake business. He had taken the customers that he met through the deli and his own talent and really passion for baking and design. And he launched this custom cake business. And I was actually just catching up with him recently And he is so successful that he had to actually recently move into a new commercial kitchen. He used to just bake out of his home. So his story really, I just think, is so inspiring in terms of how you can turn something really stressful and, you know, depressing to have the deli that you worked for all your life. It was actually his father's deli closed. He turned that into something that actually now he's, I mean, he says he's happier and more financially secure than ever. You espouse the belief that uh, today we all need more than one income. And I'm curious, I'd like for you to describe for us that journey you've personally taken, Kimberly, that, that brought you to that conclusion. Well, first of all, yes, we absolutely, everybody needs to have a secondary source of income on top of their full-time jobs. It's, it's really the only way to live today to have any semblance of financial security. I realized this for myself during it was actually right after my daughter was born, which coincided with the height of the recession in 2009. And I just felt so financially stressed. I mean, there were layoffs happening all around me. I work in the field of journalism, which, you know, like a lot of industries, it's no, there's no job security. I don't think anyone has job security. And it was really stressful. So I decided that I absolutely needed to have a second source of income, something that would catch me in case I, you know, God forbid, were to lose my job. And also something that I could, I could use to sort of flex my create creative muscles and to experiment with what kinds of things I could create of value that could be helpful to other people. So that's how I got the idea for my Etsy shop, which is actually a money planner shop. So I design and create money planners around specific financial goals, like preparing for a baby, paying off debt, uh, getting your money ready for the new year. And they're all digital. I upload them to Etsy and people buy them. And you say, too, that it's it's more than about the money, isn't it? We can experience more happiness and satisfaction in these side gigs, can we not? Absolutely. And I mean, that's what really surprised me. I started this out as a purely financial book. And as I was launching my own side business and then interviewing other side giggers, I was thinking mostly about the money. But what sort of snuck up on me and surprised me is how people feel so satisfied professionally in their careers. They feel like they're building a career that they really have control over. Right. Um, And so by doing that, you can just find more satisfaction in your career than if you're just sticking with your day job. Now, among those that you interviewed for the book, uh, I would assume there are some common traits that they probably share. What, What are some of those? Well, one of the biggest is not having a fear of failure because there are going to be hiccups along the way, setbacks. It's inevitable. And the the amazing amount of energy that people had to overcome that, because you, you basically have to have that. You have to be uh, resourceful and 
sort of get over those setbacks because everyone feels them. There's going to be slow sales weeks, rejections. And so if you can find a way to have the energy to overcome that and, you know, find like a source of comfort for getting yourself through that so you can keep going and maybe make slight changes to your business, tweak what you're doing to better meet your customer's demand. So that's one of the big things. And the other thing I that really struck me is just how how people get over their own sort of hesitation around marketing and getting word out about themselves. It's it's essential as an entrepreneur, especially someone who's running a, a smaller micro business, to be talking it up and to find your target audience and connect with them and explain to them why what you have is valuable. And so people really, people who are successful at this do that. They do it through social media. They do it just by having their elevator speech down when they have short conversations with people. And I mean, that's the other thing that really impressed me. I mean, for me, I always find marketing to be one of the hardest parts of running a business. And once you get once you get used to it and more comfortable with it, it's something that you can re- any I think anyone can really master it. All of us, or most of us, I should say, have seen you know the Venn diagram in one place or another that illustrates the intersection of what we're passionate about, what we're good at, and what people are willing to to pay us for. What are some of the big picture questions we can ask ourselves if we need help sparking our own side gig ideas? One of the best questions to ask yourself is what people ask your advice for. Because whatever people are coming to you about, whether it's your sister or your parent, I know a lot of 20-somethings constantly field phone calls from their parents about their computer problems. That's a red flag right there that you have a marketable skill. For me, it's actually what my sisters, my younger sisters always ask me about, which is money and how to manage their money and careers. So, I mean, that is kind of what helped me tap into my passion for that. So it really is, I mean, what do people enjoy seeking your expertise on? And then beyond that, if that doesn't help jumpstart something, I always recommend to people browsing some of these incredible e-commerce sites out there, like even like Craigslist, but also Fiverr, Etsy, Freelancer, Elance. It's such, they have such a wealth of ideas. You can see what other people are doing to earn money and then see how you could spin that to fit your own life and how that could fit into your own skills and passions and backgrounds. So that can be a really rich source of ideas. I know I've actually done some of that per your suggestion. Uh, Fiverr was one. I think Elance was another and did indeed come across some things that where I went, wow, I I have that skill. I could offer that as well. And I I never would have thought of it had I not uh, gone to those sites and begun digging in like you suggest. Yeah, exactly. And I have had the same experience when I was browsing Etsy one day because I'm a big fan of the site just as a buyer. I love buying some of their the jewelry on there, especially as gifts. And I discovered a whole world of planners and calendars and digital products. And I mean, that's what made me realize, hey, I could do this too. I mean, if someone else is doing it, then you can do it too. Now you say that a solid side gig idea, one that takes us to the next level financially, share certain characteristics as well. What are some of those shared characteristics for a solid side gig? The first big one is having low startup costs. And I think actually this is where a lot of people get into trouble. And I just having casual conversations uh, recently, I, my hairdresser, for example, mentioned how he got into trouble because he started selling um, some nutritional products that he had to actually buy up front and keep at his house or his home. And, and he spent $500. And the idea, of course, was that he would eventually sell them and you know build sort of a marketing scheme around this. I mean, to me, that sounds like a terrible idea because you're sinking in all these costs up front. You don't know if you're going to get them back. He didn't get them back. 
And I mean, that's just a huge risk. And not only that, but doing some kind of scheme like that, it's not taking advantage of your own creativity, your own skills. And so you don't even get the satisfaction of building something new that has value. So I really warn people against anything that comes with a high price tag at first. It, it's just a red flag that something might be amiss. And then the second, second big one I like to point out is you want to launch a side gig that has room for growth because you might love your full-time job as I do. I hope I never have to leave my full-time job. So it might always stay a relatively small portion of your overall income, but you want to have the option if your day job does suddenly disappear or if you just decide you want to go into business full-time for yourself. You want your side gig to be something that can expand, that you can build and grow. So if it's something that has that flexibility, you know you're on the right track. This next question kind of ties in with, with what we just talked about, but why is taking small steps toward building that side gig often more productive, as you say, than big ones? Well, I think that we can get really caught up in the big intimidating steps that seem to go along with launching a business. And if we can instead break down those steps, and really it comes down to relatively small steps. This weekend, you could go onto a site like freelancer.com or Elance. Set up your profile, describe what you have to offer, start looking for clients. It's really a matter of taking these small steps one at a time to get you moving in the right direction. And the second important reason for that is time. It's so hard, especially as a working person. We already have full-time jobs, a lot of us. And, you know, not to mention our families and uh, personal responsibilities. It's hard to find the time. I mean, who is going to find a three hour chunk of time or a full day when you can sit down and build this? Personally, I think that you can make a lot more progress and, and get started sooner if you just take small steps every day. I mean, spend five minutes a day, start your Twitter account, send a tweet, describe what you might be able to offer, open up your profile and describe yourself, share what you're doing on Facebook with your friends. Those kinds of small steps. They get you towards your business and, you know, do that for five to 10 minutes a day. And within a month, you'll have made some really big progress. I, I've discovered along the way that as I've done this now for a few months that, and talked to different people, a lot of folks don't understand the power of really taking that goal and breaking it down into baby steps. It's simply writing down and listing the, the little things, like you said, that you have to do to get to the big thing is so key. It really is. And, you know, I think it applies not just to side gigs, but to every aspect of life. I mean, even something as overwhelming as preparing to bring home a new baby, as my husband and I did recently. It's I mean, it's so hard to do that big picture. But if you just break it down, you know, OK, so we have to make our registry, buy a crib, that kind of thing. It, I mean, I, I take this approach to virtually everything in my life. In chapter three, you say that the new identity that a side gig creates can be just as powerful and as important as the cash that it creates. Can you expound on that a little bit? I'd love to, to know more what you mean by that. Yes, this really comes up the most when someone loses their job unexpectedly. Because if you have a side gig or some, some other identity outside your full-time job, you will not be as crushed when that disappears, either because you know, you're retiring or you get laid off. And one example that really spoke to me the most, a woman, um, an art teacher, a former art teacher, actually, her name is Morgan. She lives in Virginia. She worked as a special education teacher and teaching art for basically her entire career in Virginia. And then it came time for her retirement. And she decided instead of just ceasing to work altogether, she was going to tap into something she had long wanted to do, which was to create these beautiful silk scarves. And so she did that. She spends about four hours a day in her home working on them. 
She sells them on Etsy and a few other online places. And she actually earns a really decent income doing this. That money that she's brought in has let her travel to Europe with her husband. But when I was talking to her, one of the the things that really struck me is even more importantly than the money, it's that she has something new that now defines her. She's not just a retired teacher. She is now a businesswoman. And so she just feels this real sense of possibility, endless possibilities really, from that venture. Now you say too, and this struck a chord with me, that as we get older, self-employment might be the only way we can guarantee ourselves a job at all. What are some of the reasons why you feel that way? This is just a sad fact about our economy. I mean, it's something I've seen firsthand with my parents in my own industry too. It's just, as you get older, I mean, it can be hard to guarantee yourself a job. How many people do you know aside outside of federal workers and teachers who can who actually can expect to continue working until age 65. It's just not something that we see anymore, not to mention potential health issues that make it harder to go to work every day from nine to six. So because of that fact, that shifting fact, and increasingly more and more people find themselves unable to stay in the same job as long as they would choose to, we have to have a backup plan. I mean, there's just no other way around it. It's the only way to to give yourself any financial security. What do you feel is the um, future of side gigs in our current economy? I think side gigs are, we're at this point right now, an inflection point where they're just taking off like wildfire. The most recent statistics from the Young Entrepreneurs Council show one in three millennials. So that's, I mean, 33% of millennials launch side gigs. Those are people in their 20s, of course. The numbers go down slightly as you get older. So for baby boomers, it's just about 12% of people have freelance or have some kind of side business. But the fact that a third of millennials launch side businesses, I think, really speaks to the fact that this is a booming trend. And what we're we're also seeing is employers increasingly embracing that because they know that they can keep their best people if they allow for that kind of flexibility. And not only that, when people do have side businesses, it actually teaches them new skills that they can then bring to their day job and do a better job at work. So I really think that it's increasingly being seen as a win-win. And so we're just going to see an incredible growth of side gigs. I feel like we've really just scratched the surface of what's packed in in Kimberly's book. Kimberly, before we move on to some other questions, not directly related to the book, what else about the book would you like to share and make sure that we know? The most important thing for me is having people realize that this is about so much more than money. Launching a side gig for yourself can bring you such an incredible sense of empowerment, validation that you are creating something of value that helps other people that might even improve or change their lives in some way. So doing that, pursuing that is just such a, it's such an incredible and I think important aspect of careers that is not always tapped into. So I would just really encourage people to think about launching one. Well, as an entrepreneur, among all the best entrepreneurial lessons you've learned, Kimberly, if you had to narrow down the list to one thing, what advice would you give? It would be to just get started today. There are so many reasons to wait, to not do it, to, to you know, give into the fear that we all feel of failure, but you just have to push past all of that and not, not wait any longer. I mean, as I, as I was mentioning before, it's, it's so easy to get something started today with all the online options, e-commerce sites and social media that really there's, it's just, there's no reason to wait. Just get started. When your time on this planet is through, what do you hope your legacy ultimately to be? 
you know, I hope that it is about following my dreams and that I always tried at least, no matter what the results were, to follow my dreams. And, you know, ever since I think it was like third grade when I first decided I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write books that books one day. And I've just kind of been slowly working towards that. And I just hope when I think about what my kids learn from me, I mean, I really hope they learn to just follow their own dreams, whatever they are. Name for us a couple of books, Kimberly, you've read in the last few years that have had the greatest impact on you and how or why they impacted you as they did. I have to mention again, Dan Pink's Free Agent Nation, because I just absolutely love that book. Um, the other book is actually by Mary, Mary Catherine Bateson, um, Composing a Life. And it, it's, in, it's been reprinted many times because it first came out um, at least 10 years ago. And it's, it's just all about, I mean, the ti- what the title says, Composing a Life. It's about putting together your career, your family responsibilities, your bigger goals into something that really has meaning for you. And, you know, her message is something I also love, which is that everyone is so different. We can't have cookie cutter careers and expect to be satisfied. Everyone really has to to design their own. And, you know, I, I hope that's also a takeaway from my own book. Well, as a testament to what you're writing about, I'm someone who last year, after a 26-year career in radio and 14 years at the same station, lost my job unexpectedly. And had it not been for a side gig I began in 2010 and cultivated you know, the last couple of years, I would have I would have been in trouble, you know. And so thankfully because of that, I was so much better prepared. And when I got let go, I have yet to look for a job. I, I've been doing just fine, but I had to you know, I think now is the time, like you said, today is the second best time to start. Maybe you, you don't have last year or five years ago, but start it now before you really, really need it. I love that. I wish that you were in my book. I mean, that (laughs) is the perfect story. It's gone well, and I've been very fortunate. Well, before we wrap up, what's on the horizon for Kimberly? Tell us what we should be on the lookout for next and exactly when the book comes out, because I think it's coming out like today or the next day or two. It is. So the Economy of You comes out Thursday, January 16th. And in terms of what's on the horizon for me, I am hoping to continue to expand my Etsy shop of money planners. I'm actually launching a new line of custom planners that involve includes coaching. I'm really excited about that. And, and then, of course, you know, I'm starting to get the first inklings of my next book idea. So, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Well, the book, again, is The Economy of You. Discover Your Inner Entrepreneur and Recession-Proof Your Life by Kimberly Palmer. Kimberly, it was a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for giving of your time. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. To connect with Kimberly on Twitter and let her know what you thought about this episode, you can go to Alpha Consumer on Twitter. That's at Alpha Consumer on Twitter. To pick up a copy of Kimberly's new book, The Economy of You, just go to the show notes for this episode. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 029. There, you'll also find links to each of the resources we talked about in today's episode, including a link to the webinar that's happening January 15th, also a link to my online course, Podcaster Academy, to the books Kimberly recommended. Also on the show notes page for this episode, you'll find links to review the podcast either on Stitcher or on iTunes, or both. I want to say thanks to Rob Gunther, and thank you especially, Rob, for your very nice comments, and I wish you well as you are on this quest to lose weight. Thank you for your five-star review. And also to Brent Kelly, who gave us a five-star review on Stitcher. And on the iTunes side, Rishab Dasani, 
and Tammy Helfrich, who hosts her own podcast, by the way, called Right Where You Are, a podcast that I just had a chance to be on this past Friday, January 10th. There's a link to that interview in the show notes as well. If you'd like to hear what I have to say on topics of business and leadership and personal development, there's a link as well for an interview I did with Lisa B. Marshall of the Smart Talk podcast. It also came out on Friday. And Lisa B. Marshall, the host of Smart Talk, by the way, is also the host of the Public Speaker podcast, a show I had a chance to be on back in September. And they just let me know that they released their top 10 list, their top 10 episodes of 2013. And my interview, my guest stint with Lisa happened to make their top 10. So I'm thankful for that, humbled by that. Links to all those interviews, again, found in the show notes for today's episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 029. Well, that does it for this episode. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Come on and hold me Just like you told me And show me What I came here for Why don't we steal away Why don't we steal away Into the night